Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is episode 143. And as we know, the Weekly Word Podcast is an ultra-endurance resource. Today, we're actually going to dive into a different type of resource. But on this podcast, we talk more than just training. Each episode, I try to dive into all the aspects of ultra-endurance. Recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep, what I call regeneration. I train some of the most extreme ultra-endurance athletes in the world, and I call them extreme because they aren't just full-time athletes. They're full-time parents, they have a full-time job, and in this current environment, they actually have to balance full-time parent, full-time job, full-time teacher, all at the same time. Hopefully, many of you are on summer break from school, so you don't have to be a full-time teacher currently, and you can just focus on being a full-time parent, which is even more time given this COVID summer and lack of camps, (laughs) lack of getting them out of the house and keeping them busy. But many of you are still training through all this, and you're working hard and staying disciplined and consistent, creating healthy fitness habits that you can execute ever so gently every day. And I say ever so gently because in some environments, that means 45 minutes a day, but you're doing something to build your fitness platform, your endurance platform, and again, staying healthy, staying strong from an immune system standpoint, especially important in these COVID times, and also for our sanity, staying physical, getting our heart rate up be feeling alive at some point for a few hours or a few minutes every day. Not only are your adventures extreme, your lifestyle currently is extreme. And we continue to fall back to the same comment. We all went pro in something other than ultra endurance. (laughs) Currently, we might be pro in parenting. We might be pro in managing working from home and parenting. We might be pro in living from home, working from home, sheltering at home, and too much time at home. Today we have a guest on the podcast, and we dive into an aspect of ultra-endurance that is rarely part of the discussion, technology. I'm pleased to have Dan Eisenhardt on the podcast, and he is a CEO and founder of Form, the company behind the world's first augmented reality swim goggles and you can learn more about their products and they have a pretty cool website with videos and so forth on formswim.com that's f-o-r-m swim.com but what was fascinating for me was how he is a true inventor he literally takes things and builds them from scratch someone who takes the status quo and wonders how we can do it better you'll hear a lot about it in the podcast And he does it with technology, with modern technology. And so he took other things in other sports. I think he started in ski goggles. And then swimming is where we talk about it today. And again, it's fascinating to me. And um, I was a skeptic when I first saw this website, not because of this interview, but I've heard about the goggles about six, seven months ago. And I was like, all right, well, what do we really need that in the pool for? Or why can't we just use the clock um, on the wall? 
As you all know, I'm a big proponent of just the simple clock on the wall versus staring at your watch at the end of every 50, 25, or 100, or 200, stopping, looking at your wrist, trying to figure out the math. That's not an effective use of time, nor is it effective swimming, quite honestly. But then learning more about his goggles and our conversation, and as you can hear in my excitement and passion for it, it becomes quite clear how many avenues you can take this down, what this might mean for swimming in the pool, and what this might mean for open water swimming. And that's why we have Dan on the podcast this week. So some background as to why we have him on the podcast. He's a former competitive swimmer and Ironman athlete, has done Kona and things like that, whose triathlon background led him to create these form smart swim goggles. Noticing a gap in technology to support training in the pool, Dan created AR goggles that project metrics like split times, distance, stroke per, stroke rate, pace per hundred, total yards swum or meters swum, calories, all in a little menu in front of your face as you swim in the upper corner of your goggles. And it's quite surprising how well it works. And you set up your own menu or you can scroll through a lot of data. And what became even more interesting to me then this summer, Form is launching an open water feature in the goggles through a free firmware update of those goggles that some of you possibly already have. And when used with compatible Garmin smartwatches or Apple watches and my Koros watch, <laughs> um, open water swimmers will be also be able to access GPS performance metrics and heart rate in real time while swimming outdoors. No longer do we need to glide for a few feet and check our watch to see how long we've been swimming, how far we've been swimming, our pace while swimming. So now we can just focus on how crooked we're swimming (laughs) and sighting properly versus also working on time or distance or pace, as well as heart rate. Heart rate's a different story when swimming, so something I would want to dive in differently differently with you as athletes but the data there is actually amazingly helpful for longer lake swims training for longer open water swims and so forth so so you can imagine how this works for open water swimmers triathletes and even the 10k swimmers which is an olympic event for me personally having this technology and open water training is going to be great but also all the social aspects that he has on there tracking data learning so that I can monitor my performance gains. It's all pretty exciting in the swim world. So please enjoy this in-depth conversation with Dan Eisenhart. At times I can get quite detailed into the swimming world in our conversation, maybe a little bit geeky, but that was also because I was realizing and understanding the potential as he was telling me more about the product. I apologize for that if you sort of start rolling your eyes halfway through the podcast or a few times in the podcast, but that's because I really believe in where this could go for swim teams, for ultra endurance athletes, for swimmers in general, and for swimming, that when you're not looking to do a race or have a performance, but even just to use open water swimming, like lake swimming, if you live on a lake, to have some sort of value and metrics of engaging your performance and distance and inputs and data, it turns a lake into pool swimming now. And I think that's really, really interesting and really fascinating. So 
Enjoy this podcast. All right. So we are joined today by Dan Eisenhart, and he's the founder of the Form Goggles. And we're going to dive into what the form goggles are and what they mean for not only triathletes and swimmers, but also for us in the open water world of uh, ultra endurance sports, um, Tahoe crossings, English Channel crossings, um, whether it's the uh, Ocean 7 events or the new Stillwater 8 events that I like to coach in. And so this will be a fun conversation with Dan about these new high-tech AI sort of form format goggles that we um, have on the market now. So Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about um, how this came up, your background. I know from a few emails of us going back and forth is that you were an, you're an Ironman finisher. Um, and then you were a competitive swimmer at some point. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I, I started out as a competitive swimmer um, in my, my home country of Denmark. And I, I come from a family of swimmers. My grandfather actually started swimming back, I guess, back in the 1920s. Uh, he, he won a river crossing, sort of a local competition that was held every year. Um, and I think he had never taken any lessons. So he started swimming. And then he had three sons, and they all, all started swimming. One of them was my father, uh, the eldest of, of the three sons. And then, you know, I, when I was born, and you know, soon after, I was in the pool, and me and my brother were swimming. So always around the dinner table, we were talking about swimming. Uh, and I, I became a distance swimmer, so I spent a lot of time in the pool. Um, in Denmark, it's sort of 25-meter short course pool, so a lot of turns and just a lot of time looking at the at the the bottom at the, or the pool there, uh, as I know, Chris, you've done as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, for sure. Probably more than me. But um, so for me, the you know, I always had a pain that I didn't really, I, I couldn't articulate in terms of, of a technical solution or anything, but I always had the pain of just wondering what, how I was doing. You know, I was constantly trying to listen to my, my inner voice. Okay, what's my heart rate right now and what my... What, I wonder what split I'm going to come in at on my 10 by 400 because I know my coach is going to be yelling at me and I probably can't hear him because I'm wearing earplugs. And maybe I can't see the pool clock because my, my goggles are fogged or there's somebody standing in front of the pool clock. And I have to do the mental math if I can see the clock to find out when did I actually leave and now when did I arrive and then subtract and all this stuff. So there was a lot of stress just in the pool finding out how you were doing. And I was always wondering in all other aspects of life, even back then, I mean, there was many ways that you could find out how you were doing in the moment. And of course, as, as you got sports, you know, wrist uh, one trackers for running and bike computers, you could start to get all that readout while you yeah. have activity. And we just have, you know, swimming just never got out of that, um, <laughs> into, the, into that technology realm. So that's where this whole thing started. That was my pain. And I um, did an MBA, I did a mechanical engineering degree and then did an MBA later on. And during that MBA, I picked a, an entrepreneurship course, uh, actually on an exchange program to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. And um, the first thing we had to do, the instructor said, was to find something you're passionate about. You have a week, <laughs> come back and then pitch that to the class. And then the best ideas will form into projects. And on the day that we had to pitch, I did not have any idea. But um, I had lunch that day close to the campus pool at UBC, this beautiful 50-meter pool. 
And, uh, and I just thought, well, you know what? My biggest pain was you know, swimming and not knowing. I wonder if you could have a goggle with a display in it and that it could just tell you splits and heart rate. And I pitched that and people came up and thought that was a great idea. This was back in 2006. Gotcha. And we formed into a project group. Then I picked my team members. There was, I think, seven of us at that time. And um, that eventually ended up pivoting halfway through the school project because we just couldn't see, we couldn't, there was a potential patent issue. We didn't really know enough about how to look for patents, but we, we found some patents. We thought maybe there were some issues there. And it was a, to get the technology down into such a small form factor in a hostile environment. And there's a lot of questions we couldn't answer. So we ended up pivoting to ski goggles. And, ah. and, <laughs> and, and now because Olympics uh, and Winter Olympics were to be held in Vancouver in 2010, this was 2006, we thought, okay, we could use that as a launch platform. And lo and behold, you know, we ended up actually starting that company. Um, four of us started the company called Recon Instruments in 2008 and made ski goggles uh, with a heads-up display showing you, you know, connecting to your smartphone, giving you text messages and phone calls, and you have a full resort map, you could track your buddies, all this stuff, super cool. But it's really a, a gadget you could only use a week a year, <clears throat> you know, for most people. And, um, but we ended up um, <clears throat> making partnerships with a bunch of big companies, uh, Oakley and Smith and Scott and all the big goggle companies in the world and we became sort of the intel inside we used to pitch it uh, of the sports yeah. industry and um ended up actually selling to intel uh, funny enough um in 2015 and at that stage we had a, a big team you know 65 people and had developed a platform on the back of, of android um, and even had you know a sunglass version for cycling so we had become more than just sort of a one-trick pony and that was kind of what Intel was interested in, in, in purchasing this sort of product capability into this new frontier. So that's the backdrop. And, and so what happened was I really, when we sold the company, I felt like I hadn't, like I was happy that we sold the company. But for me, I was driven by the swimming goggles, And I, I wanted to get back to that. So I was able to carve that out of the deal with Intel. And I think the week after we sold, I already had sort of a little Strongworks team working on the side on how could we get the swimming goggle off the ground. And a year and a half later, I, I quit Intel and went full time. That was late. That was September 2016. And then, wow. then we launched the first product, the goggles uh, for swimming in, in August last year. And, um, you know, that was sort of a out of body experience, I think, for so many years, I've visualized this, this swimming goggle and and just the notion of swimming, being alone in the pool uh, and being isolated and suddenly there's like light. Suddenly you can see what you're doing, what your splits are, what your stroke rate is. And, and now with the Polar partnership as well, you know, we launched a few months later, we can also see the heart rate yeah. while you're swimming. So I'm a very happy person now. I actually enjoy swimming a lot more than I ever have. And it's not because I'm swimming less. It's not the, of course, not having to get up at five in the morning helps as well. Yeah. But <laughs> I actually have a joy for swimming that I've never experienced before because, because of these goggles. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, you're, you're using them primarily and originally in the pool. Um, I saw a little bit of video regarding that. So does that, um, let me first ask you, is it legal in competition? It's not legal in competition, I know, for swimming. It's legal in competition for open water and triathlon. 
uh, okay. environment. Um, so the reason it's not legal for competition swimming, I, I think even if it were legal, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, I mean, once you're there, you've done your preparation. It's more the, the mental attitude when you're, you know, you almost have to close your eyes if you can. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think um, it's just typically in very short races as well. But no, no, you, I, I don't even think you can have your coach up on the deck communicate the time to you. Uh, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> no. a very regulated environment in that sense. And you spend 99.9% .9 of your time training in the pool. That's the pain that we're trying to solve for. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting there too is um, the format that we used to swim in. And I know we're, we might geek out here a little bit on swimming. And as you know, I swam for Germany. So yeah. um, right below you <laughs> from Denmark. <laughs> yeah. But um, the interesting thing there is we used to use um, at the Olympic Training Center um, light uh, beams to to set the pace in the pool. I'm not sure if you've heard of those or seen those. At, and so this seems to have replaced that, which I would think federations and national teams for testing purposes, we did lactate testing like that. Um, you gradually up the pace as the light beams move at a certain pace. So you could do that with these um, goggles technically, right? Yeah. We can. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with these goggles once, um, I guess, we become accepted as a standard piece of equipment. For me, the most important thing was to not uh, um, force uh, swimmers to make compromises. So first thing was the fit of the goggles had to be as good or better than your favorite goggles. Uh, mm -hmm. had to be more durable, so you wouldn't have to change them out every six months or three months like many do today. So they had to be made of ultra-durable material. And, um, and then uh, as well, they had to have a display that was not obtrusive where you, I don't want the swimmers to have to glance into the corner of one of the eye cops to see the information. It has to be just immersive. You can just kind of choose to look at it when you want to. And mm. once you sort of solve for that and the accuracy piece, of course, that you have to be able to trust this device, um, then, then you can start to think about, okay, well, now we have the swimmer's attention. And now uh, it's up to us to make sure that we're not serving up too much because that will overwhelm. But what we're serving up is right for the moment. And, and then you can start to put in different experiences, right? So then we always talk about going from activity tracking to activity leading. I believe mm -hmm. activity tracking is sort of wearables 1.0 and, and activity leading where you are showing you know, the customer, the user, how to improve. That's the leading part. And yeah, you see companies doing that. You know, Pelson is a good example. They're very much activity leading, and there's some leaderboard entertainment in that too. But I think that is kind of where people are sort of being drawn towards. You know, how how can we use these new interfaces to elevate our performance and help us reach our potential in in a mm -hmm. way that we would not be able to before? At least it would take a long time to reach that potential because the learning loop is so inefficient. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds to me like intervals and workouts and paces and so forth could all be set by the by the technology. And you could almost, similar to smart trainers on the bike um, and uh, power meters and so forth, where they dictate the workout after you've entered the information, that you could do similar, not necessarily the resistance of swimming, but at least setting the paces and setting the tempos in order to have them to maximize the time swimming that you have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no reason why 
you couldn't do that once you trust the technology and once the accuracy is there and you have to build on top of that accuracy and then um, then you have the interface right there. Of course, the limitation is always going to be how much information can you cram in there and how much information <laughs> are you able to read. And I don't think it's so much about the technology or the resolution because I've actually tried really high resolution displays and they did not work in the water because there's no way you're taking it in. It just kind of just kind of sewn out. So we we very quickly realized that you have to scale it back to something that's easily digestible and then serve your data up when it's when it's relevant. Um, yeah. And then we can we also have a mute function. You can just mute the display. So there's uh, yeah. I think that learning how the customer actually wants to use it, you know, it's, it's, it's rarely more is more. Very rarely. It's really about working smart and, um, and serving less up, but at the right time. But you're right. What you just said is absolutely correct. This is the promise of this technology is to be able to show more than just metrics. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So let's take a step back. And um, for the listeners, just keep in mind here, how do the goggles even work? So <laughs> we're already diving into <laughs> applications and so forth. So they're um, a technology where it shows in the corner um, the pace you're going as well as uh, the distance you've swum, and then I think total swim time as well, right? Yeah, there are actually 12 metrics uh, in the goggles there, and it's, you know, so you'll see, I won't mention them all, but you're right, what you, the main part is the timer. And if you're in interval mode, so if you're on a team, you would choose the interval mode. It will just keep the timer going for the interval until you start again. So if you're doing 10 by 100, start 130, let's say you're swimming at 120, when you hit the wall after the first, it'll just keep uh, ticking up. So it'll do 120, 121, 122. And then when you start again, it will reset the interval. And then uh, you'll be able to see afterwards uh, in, in our what we call table view, all the details of those intervals, uh, your splits per, all the way down to per 50. And you'll see your stroke rate. If you're wearing the polar heart rate monitor, you'll see your heart rate as well. Uh, you'll see your distance uh, per stroke. Um, and then you can basically scroll through these, these metrics and those metrics, you can also set up, um, on your display. We've got three dashboards in the goggles. One is for swimming. So just two metrics time on the top for the interval. And then at the bottom, you can choose between any of these metrics. So if you're focusing on distance per stroke, for example, you can put that at the bottom, or if you want pace per hundred, uh, for the interval, you can put that at the bottom. If you're more interested in pace per 100 for your length, you can put that on the bottom too. So you can kind of um, experiment with that. Once you turn, then you get your turn dashboard. The turn dashboard will tell you what uh, did you do on this last length. Um, that's at the bottom. If you've chosen the split, last length split, and then the top, it will still show your running time or frozen for that point in time. Uh, so if you're at the 75 meter, 75 yard, It'll show you that time for the 75 yards and it'll show you at the bottom the last length. So you can always sort of look at how you're doing, um, you know, compared to your last length. And, and when you turn and come back up again, you go towards the wall for the finish for the 100. Uh, it'll detect the interval finish time. And then there's a um, carousel at the bottom showing you also one of uh, three metrics, up to three metrics that you've selected. So, for example, I have my interval finish time. I just want to have that. There again, so I remember what I was going on my last interval, what my uh, resting heart rate is, and then I've got my pace uh, per hundred. Um, so, and I and I just met, monitor those 
And then when I want to start, I just start. I never look at the pool clock anymore. So I don't have to coordinate with anybody. I just start. And if everybody starts in a team environment, at, you know, you can, you can just follow the first person who's starting. Then no longer is it the coach having to, you know, uh, monitor and police whether people are starting with, you know, exactly five seconds or 10 seconds apart, which I remember how it was back in the day. People would always start two or three seconds earlier. Yeah. I yeah. never know really how fast anybody else was except for the first person. And <laughs> the first person would start too early too. But here, yeah. the, the data doesn't lie. All this data is recorded automatically. There's absolutely no interaction. This is all machine learning based. So the swimmer does not have to touch the buttons. They, they're yeah. all recorded and automated. So after the fact, you know, the coach can, can get access to all this data and so can the swimmer and share with other swimmers. So it's um, in that way, it's, it's a really automated experience that's also real time. Yeah. And so it's an app, right? And that you can sort of analyze your workout or analyze all the work you did, the paces you held, the distances you swam, the um, changes in speed and so forth um, to, to really analyze not only how you're progressing, but how you did in the individual sets of the workout. That's exactly right. Uh, and we have those different. So we have a highlights tab, which shows you the sets. So it basically breaks into sets. Um, I'm actually just looking at an old workout I have here on my on my phone here. So you'll see I did a 400 warm-up mixed. It'll show me my move time, my pace per 100, my stroke rate, and my average heart rate, just as in the highlights. Then I have an 8 by 100 freestyle, and you can press the button, and it kind of goes into hundreds. And I can see, okay, what were my hundreds here, my hundreds time with each of those metrics. And I have a 5 by 200 and so forth. But if I want to see more details, I can go into table view. And imagine then you have all the metrics that you've swum for each of these um, um, sets. And as you drill into these sets, you'll see, for example, the 8 by 100. I can drill into the 100s and drill into the 50s. And then I can scroll and I can see all these metrics and see, oh, well, my average uh, distance per stroke on my second 50, on my second 100, dropped um, 0 0.2 uh, meters. Well, I also saw my stroke rate go up a bit there and my heart rate went up. So I was getting a little bit tired on my second half. So I wonder if I can correct that. And so there's a number of actions that you can take when you look at this data afterwards. Yeah, it sounds sounds interesting. Let me ask you, distance per stroke, how is it determining that? So when you start, uh, before you start to swim, the only thing you have to do is set up your pool length. Um, and so once you have your pool length, then we can detect your st uh, stroke rate as well. And when we have stroke rate and, and distance, um, and we can detect your turns, then uh, we can calculate your distance per stroke. Oh, great. Um, and so you don't have to wear a, a watch. No, you don't have to wear a watch. This is what makes it very challenging to do a heads-up display or anything that's head-mounted in swimming is that you know, detecting stuff like stroke rate and distance per stroke and, and other metrics is much, much harder when you're sitting still on, your, on the face of the swimmer. There's a lot of noise there, whereas if you're on the, the, the arm, you kind of get a lot of those metrics for, for free. So the only way we could make this work was that we had to use machine learning or, or artificial intelligence to train this neural network to uh, have a very high probability of guessing what, was, what your metrics were. And to do that, um, we had to go and record a lot of swimmers of different types, you know, triathletes and Olympians and beginners and then label all the different movements they had in the pool. And then those labels, um, we then paired with sensor output 
from the, the sensor. We have this um, six-axis sensor. So it's a three-accelerometer, mm. three-axis gyroscope sitting inside the computer side of the goggles. And then that um, raw sensor data, we can then pair with the image, labeled image data. And then the, the AI will learn um, basically through all this data. And we can test that on data that we haven't labeled. And then we can look at what is the accuracy. How accurate are we? And we are above 99% in most metrics. And nobody else is that. I mean, if we, we've been tested and benchmarked quite a lot. And uh, there's nobody out there today that is as accurate as we are. Uh, and we're sitting on, on the head. So it was out of necessity. We had to go the complex route. But the reward is that we keep getting more and more and more and more accurate. The more swimmers swim with it. Yeah. Which means- yeah. And so the individual swimmer too, are they impacting because of the machine learning, the AI, their own accuracy of their own goggles as they're applying and using the product more? Um, that is certainly something that will be possible. Uh, it's not something that is implemented in today's version uh, for a number of reasons, but that is the end goal. But certainly we are able to, through all the data that uh, we have, which is all anonymized, uh, we can see trends and we can use that sort of more at an aggregated level to make predictions, to improve our prediction engine. But um, certainly what our, our goal is that we can have a really robust individual learning feedback loop. And, and that is one of the most, of course, the strongest things that, um, that you can imagine because then it becomes ultra-personalized. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a fascinating product and it's um, interesting to me as a swimmer. So now um, we're talking about triathletes and open water swimmers and ultra-endurance swimmers um, that I work a lot with with regards to 20-mile swims, uh, 10K open water swimmers, and so forth. So is it legal in the open water competition world? Do we know that yet? So I know for a fact that it's legal for Ironman competition yeah. uh, because I swam with it at Kona last year. And, okay. and a phenomenal experience. And we didn't even have the open water experience launched. I was just swimming with uh, a dev version um, and it was amazing. But um, it, is, it is legal there. I don't expect that it is illegal either uh, in, in any other open water competition for the, for the fact, mere fact that you can wear a watch. I assume you can wear a Garmin watch or an Apple watch uh, in open water. And really no difference because the only difference is you can see it while you swim. And if you wanted to see it, you know, otherwise, if you had a wristwatch, you could just stop and look at it. So it's yeah. a communication piece. Uh, I know for Ironman, if you look at the rules, it's just you cannot have a communication device in any yeah. three disciplines. Otherwise, you're, it's, it's fair game. And in many ways, you could say that it actually is uh, improving safety to have that display. It, it makes you calmer. It makes you know more about how you're doing. You can monitor your heart rate. If you see it go completely bonkers, um, you'll know <laughs> and you can mm-hmm. relax. So there's a certain comfort to this uh, that I think many would argue is improving safety in, in that critical and, and actually fairly dangerous part of a triathlon is, is swimming for the people that are especially beginners, but really for anybody, anything can happen out there. As you know, yeah. a big fight going on, especially in the beginning. What about them getting knocked off in that um, early fight? Yeah, so that's the same as any other goggle, I guess, where you're um, going to be exposed to that. But um, I don't think I think I don't think it, we're more exposed to it than than with normal goggles. I definitely did not feel that. I, I did I did both the 
while the training swim the week before, which was basically, I don't know how many, it was definitely over 1,500 or 2,000 people on top of each other. <laughs> and then yeah. we were sent off in waves uh, last year in, in Kona, and, and, and there was probably four or 500 each wave. But uh, I uh, definitely was in the, in the, the tumble dryer, or whatever you call it, the washing machine, and didn't, didn't have any issues whatsoever. It's a really mm-hmm. tight seal. Mm-hmm. Um, with the gaskets that we have, we have this very high-end um, silicon gasket, and uh, it just it, it, it they just don't leak. It's very rare that you have that. Mm-hmm. And then then there's sh- um, uh, not shatter. Well, even shatter. Uh, um, but how for a kick or if they fall down on the ground and so forth, they're pretty resistant, resilient for that as well? Yeah, I mean, the whole solution is built from, you know, high-grade materials. So there's no, not a part of that, of those goggles that you can, where you can say this is the same material that's being used in other goggles. And maybe there's one part, but very few, very few materials are similar to what you'd see in normal goggles. We've always chosen the highest grade and mm-hmm. because, because we know that, you know, we cannot be compared to just a normal pair of goggles because we're not a disposable item in that sense you know we, yeah, we have yeah. technology in there we have to create and we have replacement parts as well so if 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 something happens and you know the gasket falls off or something you want to replace it then we sell all those replacement parts too so uh, that you, you you don't have to live with the same uh, you know plastic and rubber for for the duration of the, the lifetime of the computer you can you can swap it out but we have yet to need to do that. So I've been swimming with the same pair as, as, as one of the first prototypes that came out. And it looks, they look like the day I got them. Um, so it's, it's definitely paying off, I think, to spend a bit extra on the, on the materials. Speaking of spending a bit extra, what do they cost approximately? So we are selling them at $199 US uh, and very equivalent prices worldwide, depending on the currencies and so forth. But um, that is a price point that you know, some say, well, it's very expensive compared to pure goggles. If, but that, again, that is if you have to replace them every six months. If you uh, acknowledge, one, you don't have to replace them every six months. And two, you're really getting a pair of goggles with a computer inside. And then you're getting the heads-up display for free. Because if you have to buy a swim tracker on the wrist, which nobody wants to wear, unless I guess some triathletes do, but you shouldn't wear anything on your wrist, in my opinion, uh, at, at least for pool training. For, for open water, it's a different story. Yeah, but um, then uh, then you get that, you know, you really get the heads-up display for free if you do the math on what the goggles cost and what a swim tracker costs for the wrist. Uh, so that's how we kind of uh, rationalize the, uh, the, the cost. And we're seeing customers are making that connection. Yeah, when goggles have gotten more and more expensive these days. You know what, <laughs> so, when I was in, in my day, I, I don't know about you, but I was always swimming with Swedish goggles. So, yeah, me too. I, I still do. I, I, actually, I actually did right up until right up until the first prototype. Uh, I was testing the first prototype of form. So I was, you know, the whole, uh, you know, rigorous, you know, um, exercise of getting your mounts in Swedish goggles and then putting them together and burning the ends the ends of the of right <laughs> so they didn't floss and, and, yeah. and then you just so simple you just turn them and then and then so I actually was really drawn to that simplicity and then the fit there. And I've gone back so I, I sometimes go swimming with my, my kid and he'll take my goggles and uh, and he has my my Swedish goggles. And I actually have a hard time using Swedish goggles now because they're not as comfortable because <laughs> they kind of oh. inside the sockets of your eye. 
And uh, and it's funny that I've been swimming with them for my entire life, and now it's it's not comfortable anymore. Well, speaking of um, sizing, so I see that they come with seven different nose bridges. And um, how are they with regards to the concern that different faces, let's say um, narrow faces or smaller eye sockets, bigger eye sockets? We both know from a swimming standpoint that um, you put on Swedish goggles. For some people, it it doesn't fit. It doesn't work with their eye sockets. And others, it works great. And that's not necessarily the nose bridge. It's more just how the the, the, the shape fits into the eye socket. So what has form done in order to sort of address the different types of eye sockets and, and face shapes? Yeah. So we spent a long time 3D printing. We bought a 3D printer, I think, on day two. And then we just uh, started to play around with surfaces and um, materials and putting many, many, many different types of goggles with different surfaces and gradients um, and different nose bridge distances on people. And um, taking them to the pool, we actually had goggles that we had to take the front off the goggles because you couldn't see through them. This 3D printed material you couldn't see through. So we had to cut the front off and put clear plastic on the front and we glued that. And then we put um, took rubber from other goggles and put them on, on, the, on the gaskets there. And then we went to the pool. You couldn't see anything out of the sides. And we were just testing and testing and testing. So eventually we got to uh, a pair of goggles where we, where people were saying, you know what, apart from the fact that, of course, they're not a normal pair of goggles, they actually are, they're not leaking and they, they feel really good. Um, and then, then we said, okay, well, let's, let's test this concept and go into the extremes of both ends. Let's try, you know, males that have you know, very wide faces or um, recessed eyes or, or sort of a big nose uh, noses and nose bridges or whatever you call it they're at the top of the nose so we wanted to sort of test different extremes and and through that we found that we needed to introduce more nose bridges first we thought we only needed two or three and we, we end up, up with seven uh, both because we needed to have some extra small and some extra large and then also we had to uh, come up with arch nose bridges which we're seeing on many goggles this is not a novel thing but um we we introduced the the, the arch nose bridges bridges as well um the one thing we are seeing i, I don't think any goggle company can go out and say we fit 100 percent of faces perfectly like that I, I don't think that is possible because that mm -hmm. that's not reality so what we wanted yeah. to do is we wanted to go out and say well we will we will fit uh, the vast majority of faces and um and the only thing we're seeing is if you are, let's say, a 12-year-old kid or you have a very narrow face, then um, you have to tighten the straps a little bit more. Um, and let's say you go with a small uh, nose bridge and then you, know, you have a very narrow face, so maybe you have to, you have to just tighten, tighten them a little bit more. But they will fit. They just won't fit as comfortable as the major, vast majority of people. Uh, so, and so we, we tested, we tested around with that, but if you look at, just look at our reviews on our site or go on Amazon, uh, the surprising thing, and I, and it was surprising to me, even though this was the number one concern for me, the surprising thing to, to me is that people say, oh man, these fit so well. Like the comfort is actually one of the highest rated things about it. Great. <laughs> Which is something That's that great. Yeah. I would hope <laughs> that maybe gen two or three, we could maybe start to get uh, into that realm of sort of acceptance because I just thought it was too 
yeah, it was it was too steep a, a hill to climb there. But but that 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 was one of the positive uh, responses we got, feedback we got from from customers. That's interesting. That's interesting. And so, you know, we can keep talking about pool swimming, but let's dr- dive into more the open water technology. So now you've had this uh, these goggles for a couple of years now. It's 2016, you say, so probably hit the market in 2017. Um, so we actually came together as a company in 2016 and then launched, we launched the first pair. So this is actually not even a year into it. We launched the first, uh, goggles in uh, on August 6th, 2019. So we, we basically just got the, that, you know, Last half of 2019, and then straight into COVID uh, 19. Uh, <laughs> where, where, where swimming has been shut down. <laughs> I know. Let's talk about you know test for entrepreneurs, but you know that's that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So so I can see incredible opportunity from a um, pool aspect, from teams and swim coaches aspect, and a team saying, um, you know purchasing from a a larger bulk perspective, age group teams, and so forth. So I can see a lot there. So now you're launching another version, which is the open water version, or is that software or it's the same goggle, but just um, updated software? Yeah. Yeah. We announced that um, last month and uh, we announced that we would be releasing that software over the summer. So we're close and this is a way to, for an open water swimmer, whether you're a triathlete or not, to connect to your watch. And there's you know, three watches on the Garmin side and, and three watches on the Apple side that we support, uh, Apple 3, 4, and 5, and the Garmin 945, and I think it's the Phoenix 5 Pro and the, and, and the Phoenix um, uh, 6S. So mm-hmm. th- those, um, so we connect. So what you do is you just start the activity on the watch. And, and you have to just pair it. It's a very quick and easy setup process uh, in our app on the phone. And then when you start the activity, you basically broadcast that to our goggles. And then okay. using the same dashboard setup I explained before for the pool, you can decide which metrics you want. Um, and so if you want to see your distance, which I think every single person wants in open water, yeah, yeah. That, that is kind of a, that, that, that was a real eureka moment to see your distance in open water. It's like, wow, I'm mm. like, uh, just like in the pool now I can actually do a proper workout. Um, and then your pace per hundred, I, I think for doing Ironman, I think it's just like the, the, it's so key to know your pace per hundred paired with your heart rate because those two things yeah. are really what matter. You know, if you're, gassing yourself we always say if you're gassing yourself on the swim you'll feel it on the run so you so yeah. we like to say you know you, you can thank us on the run for actually having <laughs> yeah man. how does it um and so it, it syncs with your watch how's the accuracy with the gps of the watch because we we both know and everybody in this sort of open water world knows that it sometimes gets a little squirrely yeah that, that is one of the things that we spent the most time on in development. And this is where we have a lot of experience from Recon because we had GPS and all of our products, all the five products we launched at Recon were GPS wearables. Uh, so we have a bit of experience there in terms of using um, the sensors and using uh, filtering and smoothening and all that stuff to get a, a good real-time experience. Because when, let's say there's sort of two problems here. One is what you're saying is the watch itself with the GPS, you're in the water, you're swimming. It's, it's pretty difficult to make it accurate <clears throat> every second. 
Yeah. So what you see after the fact is you've already uploaded it probably to the server and then some stuff happens and you see a nice graph and even then there could be gaps there. Yeah. So we can't, of course, we can't do anything about that part because that's really up to Garmin and Apple. And that's just the name of the game. It's not perfect. Uh, but what we uh, want to make sure is that we want to make the real-time experience as smooth as possible so we don't have to transmit or broadcast garbage. And so that's, that's where most of our testing and, and most of our development has gone into is, of course, the connectivity in itself. With, by Bluetooth low energy, you have to really think about um, very rapid sort of connection speed when you're almost out of the water, and positioning of the computer side on the display with which side you're wearing your watch on, whether it's your left or your right arm, all that stuff, of course, aside. But the smoothing of knowing, for example, okay, well, my pace per hundred, I don't want it jumping all over the place because that is what it's going to be doing if you just take the raw data from the watch. Yeah. So is there a smoothing function just like in a power meter where you say every three seconds, every five seconds? That's exactly what we're doing. So we've been playing with what is that smoothing? What should that be? And and what other things can we do when we see GPS uh, point outliers? And how can we factor Mm -hmm. that into a more smooth experience for the swimmer? So that's, I mean, we test twice a week uh, at the lake here. I've done that since, you know, I think end of March when it was early April when it was super cold. Uh, (laughs) It was like, you know, eight degrees. Um, So um, it's, um, it's been, it's, and we have, you know, just even just internally here, we have, you know, 12 people showing up uh, for each of those swims. And then we have beta swimmers in three waves from all over the world, hundreds of swimmers that are testing this and giving us feedback. Uh, so mm-hmm. Part of our process is, is testing and data. Yeah. It's kind of our DNA. And yeah, so that those are the, the challenges there. And I think, uh, like I said, there's some things we're not in control of and, and, and that's uh, the name of the game, but we're going to do our best to make, provide a, a good real time experience. And how's that AI and machine learning wor- working in that space? Because I could imagine there too, it is able to smoothen out, um, grow, apply, even knowing where the lakes are, knowing where the open body, open water bodies, uh, waters <laughs> are, so that you can say, all right, well, typically here, this is the GPS signal, and this is the, how, I mean, there's so much knowledge and data in there. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Just like in the pool, you know, it's just like the beginning. Like once you've got yeah. the beginning, you've got the foundation then you can start to build on top of that. And now we're into roadmap and I'm always careful talking about roadmap because that's dangerous. So I can just tell you that this is just the beginning and I'm very excited about what we can do for open water swimming on a number of fronts, uh, making it more social as well, building community, you know, having the experience that you're used to in, for example, cycling where you have Strava and you can kind of compete with yourself and others. And I really think that's missing swimming. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, we mm-hmm. want to, we want to attack all of that. Yeah, especially in open water swimming, it's completely missing. You just meet at the other end, but you don't know how you swam during and so forth. Interesting. And so how does the line of sight um, work? Is there any type of uh, concern there that as you're sighting um, that you might be, see the display instead of the far off tree radio tower? As you know from Kona, you sight yeah. the, the towers yeah. and, and the church. Yeah, I know that. Um, we're actually doing a morning practice swim. I'm like, hey, how do you do it? And he's like, hey, of course, you just have to yeah. look at the antenna. Yeah, it, it does exactly. actually do. Um, so, I mean, there's none of that. It's much like in the pool where it, the display is really, um, it's not obtrusive. 
right? So you just, you can see straight through it and you just see those digits and you mm. cannot look at it. You just look straight through it. It's, it's something that when you, once you try it, you'll know what it's like. It's just very natural. And the same thing in open water, you know, you can, you can see everything you need to see. Um, and it's more about, you know, deciding, of course, you have to stick your head out of the water and see where you are. Uh, and, um, uh, that is, I think, is exactly the same for for normal pair of goggles. It's a little bit of a different field of view because, of course, we have a little bit of computer on the right side, but um, it's something you get used to after maybe 10, 15 minutes in open water. Like you, then it's just you know it's it's, it's natural. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And then, so then the buildup of the goggle does that. Um, does that require more of a buildup? Is it a is it a thicker, higher buildup on the um, on the uh, of the goggles itself from a resistance standpoint? Let's say if you're if you're swimming, are you saying in terms of durability for the goggle materials in open water, or what are you thinking? Um, I'm saying more um, the the size of the goggle on how far it sticks out because of the display and the and the, the sort of the machine in it um, that it might create more of a resistance of a higher off the face type of um, yeah. goggle. Yeah. So I guess that's both, you know, I guess in the pool and open water, you know, what is, I guess the question is, okay, how much bulk does it add? Uh, the yeah. computer on the side there. And it's very, it's very minimal when you think that we've got 16 hours battery life. So you really don't have to think about for charging these goggles. So it's a, a lot of power in there. And we are, we have a computer that's running, you know, uh, at a high frequency, uh, calculating your metrics uh, using machine learning, and displaying them uh, in a see-through display and waveguide underwater. And we're doing all that in the pyro goggles that you can, you know, that uh, are basically in, in a pretty hostile environment most of the time. So uh, it's a small trade-off to have um, that um, little bit of bulk on one of the sides of the goggles, and it it really is not something that you at all think about. Like the, the gotcha. first time you jump in, if you're used to a pair of Swedish goggles or whatever, you're going to be like, this is a different experience. And for yeah. two reasons. the first thing you're going to experience is, holy, you know, there's, there's like numbers moving in front of me. And, <laughs> and you, I, I've actually heard people say, I, I almost forgot to breathe. And we say, okay, please, please keep breathing. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it was one of our first tests we did with the UBC Thunderbirds. There's a team that we sponsor here in Vancouver. They're out at UBC. We actually trained a lot of the algorithms with those swimmers on the elite side. And uh, so that was what we heard first. And then they got used to it. And most of them would say after, you know, half a practice, some went all the way to like two practices. Then we're like, okay, this is, this is now it's, it feels, it feels normal. So you will notice it's, I'm not going to say it's not a different experience. It for sure is a different experience, but the trade-off is only um, something that you experience uh, or perceive in, in the beginning because you're changing goggles. And I actually feel the same way when I was changing from or testing out other goggles. I was swimming with the Swedish goggles and I would test like an aquasphere or a speedo vanquisher. And I had this every time I changed goggles, I had the same feeling, holy, this is something completely different. They fit differently. You know, I feel like the suction is different. And so everything is usually when you change the eyewear, it feels different, but then you get used to it very fast. And, and I would say this is the same thing applies to these goggles. And then the benefit is obviously unquestionable. Like it's yeah. and, something. And it probably, probably becomes something that um, you don't want to 
train without them. Even, even in the simplest form, some sort of data is something we get addicted to. You get addicted. The, the thing is that I truly believe, after having talked to hundreds and hundreds of customers, that our goggles are essential. One, one, once you have swum with them a few times, and let's say you are a swimmer that goes to the pool you know, at least once a week, it is one of those items that you would drive back to pick up. Or, uh, like yeah. you, or, or you would sit and wait. Let's say you run out of battery, which never happens. But if you did, you would just, you know, charge them quickly for 15 minutes in your car before jumping in because you want to, you know, you, you want that experience. But I think it's, there's sort of two aspects to that. One is the tracking of the data. And I think that's probably the smallest part. But the biggest part yeah. is now the fact that, you, you know, you go back to normal goggles, you're alone again in the pool. Now you have to go back into the whole hygiene of mental math and, and not knowing and all those unanswered questions. And it's actually much harder when you've gotten used to having those questions answered. Yeah. Well, it's an experience then. It becomes part of your swimming experience and having that data, even just total time um, and, and different settings that you might simplify that you might maybe don't want to scroll through all 12 or so that you had mentioned, but more just total time and a couple of things to keep it more convenient and, and enhance your experience, not only in the pool, but surely in open water. I can see the open water functionality really being something that swimmers, triathletes wouldn't want to go without. I could see it the same way on what you talked about earlier with skiing, just knowing um, what you're doing, your vertical feet, all that, uh, that just adds up to a, a more enjoyable experience of doing the activity. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it's one of those things that is hard to change behavior when customers have been used to swimming a certain way for decades and the industry has been starved uh, for technology. There really hasn't been much technology in swimming. And then, but I, we can feel, we can, we can feel it now. We can see the momentum building up and more and more swimmers were starting to convert. And when we see Olympians convert as well, um, you know, we've got one on staff here, uh, Scott Dickens, who, who's um, still a, a national champion in Canada, uh, reigning in, in the breaststroke. Um, he went to two Olympics as well. And so he's, um, you know, he, he, he's like, you know, these, these are actually, these would have made a huge difference. In, in my training yeah. and Brent Hayden, who's now the returning uh, Olympian. He's the most, I guess, fastest Canadian swimmer in a hundred freestyle. He's world champion from 2007, went to three Olympics and he's going for his fourth Olympic uh, in his early thirties. And um, he started training with them and, and, and said, okay, I want to play a part in this. And, uh, and so he's out with us lake swimming, actually, even uh, here doing, doing uh, the lockdown uh, twice a week, getting his, uh, his sprints in, I'll be swimming with him and he'll suddenly take off and do a 15 second sprint and I don't see him anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of these right now is that you actually can do a pool workout in open water in this COVID situation because you have paces, you have distances. So now you can just take those 400 meter intervals or those uh, five times 200 and negative split and all the aspects of swimming can now be done in an open water situation. That's exactly right. And you can analyze it afterwards and you can share it. And so it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's actually, a, I think an amazing way, even uh, outside of lockdowns to have, you know, yeah. it's kind of cross training, but still water training and it builds up the stamina. Like I've definitely felt not, you know, not having those turns 
and you're swimming, you know, two, three, four, five kilometers, if you're doing that far in open water, is extremely tiring for your shoulders. And it builds up a lot of endurance and stamina that I don't think you can get in the pool in the same way. No, no, you're totally right. And so um, also from a coaching standpoint, now I have the ability to give athletes workouts for open water because of the goggles um, that take that experience and turn it into a useful time. I mean, sure, in the past, whether it's you're swimming 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, it would be distance, maybe a few surges based on feel. I didn't want them interrupting their stroke to check their watch while they're swimming or maybe doing 25 strokes fast. But now it actually adds a true prescription to the open water workout. Um, and it allows for all kinds of different uh, tools and progression and growth along with the app that you can track my progression over time, my distance per stroke over time, my speeds over time, all that in a free, <laughs> free body of water. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really remarkable. And I think this is something that we haven't maybe communicated well enough, but we definitely will. Uh, like this tool for coaches, both in the pool and in the open water, is something that will really train change the way that coaches are not only interacting with the swimmers because they can now move a level up instead of having to spend all that time with their stopwatches and telling swimmers what to do you're empowering swimmers and holding them accountable to certain endpoints you know you have to do this you have to do that and they can no longer use the light of you right because you can see afterwards not live yeah. but often you, know, yeah. you forget okay, always you know your stroke count in the last 50 and, and if you don't know you'll just say something but now it's like you know, there's accountability and you move that level up now, really looking at how can you improve. It becomes a higher order of coaching. And uh, it, just, yeah. it takes away all of that admin that nobody wants to be doing um, as a coach. I, I was a coach for a short period of time as well. That was the, the thing that I hated the most was just having to be distracted uh, by you know, all the little things that should be automated and not having enough time yeah. to look at the individual and give them feedback. Uh, that 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 now we can get you know past that yeah and that uh, but also from a coaching standpoint whether it's swimming or even in from other sports the ability to in real time as the athlete to see that the adjustments you're making based off of what the coach has told you that you can see it live in the pacing you don't have to wait a 50 or a 25 to see oh i was faster or my distance per stroke was more effective, or adding in that kick allowed X, Y, Z, you see it real time. You can see those adjustments that you were just given by the coach. You can see it right then and there in the goggles that you're swimming better, faster, smoother, stronger, longer, whatever it is. So that's, I think, the the interesting thing for me too in, in the dual application of not only is it going to help me as the athlete swim better, understand my swimming better, observe and grow better, but also as the coach to be able to work in conjunction as a team with the athlete better to show them, look, you saw live while you were swimming, how you gently increased your pace or improved your distance per stroke while doing those subtle adjustments. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a well, powerful that's, tool. That's great. Yeah. It's, uh... So, so where can we where can we get the 
that form goggles? What's the what's the best way to get them? What's the when's the open water function coming out? There's a lot of um, momentum now here. Yeah, there is a lot of momentum. Um, so the best thing to do is purchase them from our site. You'll be able to get the full story and all the details. Um, and so that's formswim.com, and we ship okay. to most countries in the world. Um, then if you'd rather buy an Amazon, then that's also a possibility. We are on most sites in the world, Amazon sites, you know, throughout Europe, Australia, Canada, and U.S. And um, so though we are a direct consumer channel in that sense. We really believe in the ease of just being able to go online and um, buy the goggles. And if they don't fit, if you don't like them, you ship them back within 45 days and uh, we'll, we'll refund you. So um we we rarely see that we, we more see you know a lot of questions about oh well is this feature going to come or is that feature going to come so people's imaginations are usually sparked and they start interacting with our customer service which is great feedback for us by the way so we're gonna th- thank everyone for that yeah um interesting yeah and so, so that, that really uh that really shows that uh this technology is growing live as we're talking yeah yeah, it uh, it I think I think technology um, in swimming uh, also with I think sort of as a new generation sort of come in into swimming it, that there's an expectation now that the industry is going to deliver something for them to to solve these problems. Uh, so it is sort of the last frontier. I think if you look at it especially in endurance sports, you know, cycling and running have had technology for such a long time that could provide these things. And I think now is the time. Like it's really the time to make that shift. And so we always call, you know, we, we always say we, we sort of ha- we have the mission of, of breaking down the barriers uh, in swimming um, and, and also make swimming a source of joy for everyone. So we're not just saying elite swimmers, you know, triathlete Ironman, like what we're seeing is a third of our customers, interestingly enough, are our fitness owners. So we've done the experiments huh. and they are just saying, you know what? We bought the goggles. We know they're for serious swimmers and we can see they're accurate and you have all these athletes, but we just want to buy them. And you know what? It's, it's just changed my motivation because now, you know, I can offload my mental math. I can see my timer. I can, you know, I even see the clock. You know, you go to pause mode, just press one button and you can see the, the clock as well something very simple but useful and you can see your distance and your calories if you're into that as a fitness swimmer and count your laps so you say i want to do 20 laps today and you can see how fast you were you know on the current lap versus last lap so th- there is some level of gamification for those early adopter fitness swimmers and we really think that is sort of the promise of this technology that is something that could be for the masses that could really change swimming and sort of bring it into the 21st century yeah, yeah. So what's the future for you with regards to, you know, swimming um, and these goggles? Do you have ideas, plans, thoughts for future products or into more sports? Because when you when you touch into the swimming world, the market is, of course, uh, pretty sizable. But I can see this technology and this sort of approach um, uh, of adding technology to a variety of different sports being something quite promising. Yeah. And, and that's where my background, that's what my background is in terms of starting in skiing and then going into cycling. And every time you get reminded that if you launch something, it has to truly be a 10 X on alternatives. And, yeah. you know, if you look at cycling, it's hard to do the 10 X there because you've got the handlebar computer 
which is great. You can see everything you need because you're basically not, you know, you don't need that hands-free experience. In running, you know, you can you can look at the watch um, and you can wear earbuds and all, all that stuff. It's not as easy as, as cycling, but, you know, it's still not a huge pain that people are thinking about. And most people don't wear eyewear when they're running. A lot of people don't. So you always have to sort of look at the context of the activity. One of the things that makes swimming a really interesting industry or market is how big it is. You know, there's 240 million active swimmers in the world. Uh, yeah. In last year, 270 million goggles were sold. 270 million <laughs> worldwide. Yeah. We're the only company, I believe, that's uh, well, we're the first company that's delivering this this experience. Um, and we have so much to do in this. I mean, we touched on a few things that we could add to the goggles to just to create the broader, bigger experience, more engagement. That there's so much to do that before we even consider going into other verticals, I think we yeah. really think about swimmers and how we can make you know uh, make swimming even more enjoyable for everyone. And that is that there's years and years and years and years of work and features and products we can launch into this same market. So, well, what I think is fascinating from that perspective is being an ultra endurance coach and working with some swimmers that are do some incredible challenges across very large bodies of water is I think you just opened up um, an ability to capture some of the um, most difficult as well as challenging as well as unique swims in the world across lakes across um, oceans where you can say this is trackable like a Strava file and doing FKTs, fastest known times, fastest known time across, you know, so it allows, sure, we have GPS prior, but now it allows the the swimmer to engage into the same process as um, ultra endurance athletes on land and um, sort of track progress, track paces track um progression and allows swimming open water swimming to sort of join the 21st century because as we know nothing in swimming changes very quickly the coaching methodologies uh, the technology that they're using to this day kickboards and pull boys and hand paddles are still from the 70s so this is a huge leap forward It, it is and i think it is an enabler of many things to come. And I definitely think, you know, swimming is a hard sport because you have to get up early. You have to train a lot. It's very difficult to master. I don't think I've ever mastered it, even though I've swum since I was five. I still feel there's a few strokes, you know, butterfly and breaststroke that I could uh, improve a lot in. And there's just, it's almost, I guess, like many people describe golf. It's like you have a good day and then you'll have a bad day, but it's very hard to become a true master over time. It's just a very complex set of motions. And on top of that, it's very hard endurance-wise. So I think uh, being able to build this type of motivation and community in swimming is something that I'm very excited about on top of all the other things that all the other benefits for the swimmer and the coach uh, in terms of tracking and team environment and so forth. I I just really think, I mean, we grow up with a love of swimming. I told you my background. Most kids. Yeah. You don't watch them in the pool. They are shrieking and having fun and jumping in the water and splashing around. And like my kids are like that, that's all they can think about is they're obsessed by water. And then what happens yeah. when we grow older 
and you lose touch with the water because there is a lot of friction going to the pool and you have to strip down into your speedos and, and all that stuff. And, and it's hard. So you kind of start to doubt yourself and you start to do things that are maybe a little bit easier. So you go on land, you play soccer, you do not, not to say soccer is not as easy. I certainly know that's hard, but still <laughs> there, there's a certain fear of water when you get older. Uh, and as you lose touch with it, it's a shame because it is really such an integral part of us as human beings. Like water is very important for us mm -hmm. being for sure. it's a safe sport. And my dad is nearing 80 and he still swims three times a week. Still start with a butterfly uh, to warm up. I've told him a million times, don't warm up with butterfly, but that's how. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things that I, I think from almost cradle to grave, you, you can enjoy swimming. And I, I want to just elevate and make it that much more enjoyable and connected. Uh, that's, that's our mission. That's great. Well, this has been a great conversation and um, really interesting technology to introduce into sort of this endurance world and taking people out of the stuffy pool uh, pools of the country yeah. <laughs> and giving them the same opportunity, let's say without a pace clock, in open water and in beautiful environments and in because the, the wetsuit technology is there they have thermal wetsuits and so forth so our ability to now take that into an open water environment of understanding swim paces swim distances distance per stroke really is quite promising and very interesting as an athlete and as a coach so I really appreciate this technology. I appreciate this conversation. What is there anything else you would want to add on the to to communicate to my listeners as well as just in general? I, I think Chris, we covered a lot of topics today. I'm actually impressed that we got all that packed in. So um, it was a, a very enjoyable conversation. I, I I don't think we we missed anything. I'm just excited about writing the next chapter and moving um, like launching this uh, technology here and uh, over the summer and and hearing people's feedback and just keep improving and making our products better well, that, that's really great well thank you so much for joining me on this call for an hour conversation going into what might be a lot of detail with regards to swimming but it just shows the promise and the excitement and quite honestly the shift of that this technology could create that in many years from now athletes will look back and go you swam with a pace clock or yeah. even the change in open water swimming the dramatic change right there that you would say what did you do before you knew your pace <laughs> you just swam for enjoyment in open water so it's fantastic and this is really great i i i think form has a lot of promise um I'm curious to know if you had it at ispo and the 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 sports conventions in europe we went to ISPO. Uh, yes, we did. We just had a few people there. And yes, there was a huge lineup uh, waiting to um, try these on, which is one of the reasons why we decided to go a little bit more uh, heavily into Europe. Um, and so we're in all these Amazon sites in Europe now, and we're shipping also from, you know, from our own site. So um, we're, we're seeing a lot of, of demand, actually, from that region. That's great. That's great. Well, I hope we stay in touch. I obviously have a variety of contacts in the swim world. If you uh, need any help with regards to growing this company even more, um, especially in Germany, as you can imagine. Yeah. But um, this has been great. And I really appreciate your time.
Thank you, Chris. It was my pleasure being on your show. All right.